Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. I am authorized to assure you that so far there is no reasonable cause for alarm. The rumors of invading armies and mass destruction are based on hysteria and are absolutely false. I repeat, these rumors are absolutely false. Welcome to ThoughtSpeak, a podcast dedicated to the discussion of K.A. Applegate's 1996 book series, Animorphs. My name is Coleman. And my name is Mitchell. And as always, this episode is brought to you by our Patreon sponsors. Please, please give us money at patreon.com slash ThoughtSpeak. And to thank all those people really quickly, we have Spencer, Jack Hunter, Ben Freeman, Jennifer Baker, James Miola, Tim Aheen, Kendra, Kevin Kusklasi, Graith, Tony Pezik, Noah Troutman, Daniel Martinoli, Nita Labrada Gaffaro, Michael Blemick, Sorrent Joyce, and Sundown. <laughs> thank you all. Holy crap, thank you all. You guys making this show possible. Making sure we keep coming back. Back for more. I, th- I think in our short time off the air, you have completely forgotten how to pronounce half those people's names. You know what? It's funner or more fun just being a dry run just just starting at the bottom and boom just uh mario speed running right on through and i think i do a pretty okay job and i think most of these people you do. probably only cringe ever so slightly upon hearing their name if you would like to have your name butchered by mitchell please go to <laughs> thought speaks patreon page which you can find after a quick google search or just go to patreon.com slash thought yes and i i gave the the address before too yes good Anyway, the main again. the main draw to this episode tonight. Oh, oh, we've got one for you, folks. This is uh, this is book number thirty six, the mutation. And holy crap, I I'd, I thought that I'd heard so much bad press about this book. The bar was extremely low, and uh, and and boy, it, it really surprised me um, to say the least. Yeah, it's definitely a book I've heard so much about, never read. Always wanted this book because I, I love killer whales. And as a as a young Coleman, um, seeing an orca on the front made me really want the book. And just never picked it up for some reason. I think I was slightly past uh, my Animorphs reading phase at that point. Wasn't brought back by the finale yet. And uh, just never got around to it. Yeah, this is, uh, I think, at the point in the series where, you know, it's kind of starting to drag on a little bit. I mean, this is... 36 so there's been at least like almost 40 of these books so far including all the megamorphs and chronicles and whatnot and yeah it's it's been kind of like you know where are the authors going with this how long is this war going to last and when are we going to get some some real plot advancement um and we don't really get that from this book but that's okay (laughs) first of all staring at the cover it's it's not a bad looking book this is a, a pretty cool shot actually and probably pretty realistic as to you know, what they're wearing out uh, there for their morph suits. Yeah, I think this is where the marketing team, um, at least when it doesn't come to the English language, uh, really started to hit their stride. Like the the design of it, it's just a cool like burgundy uh, and they've got the reflections down. The the cover looks pretty cool. Even the uh, inside cover doesn't look ridiculous. When the last uh, book that dealt with this ridiculous plot line, uh, I remember the inside cover being one of the things I hated the most about it. Was that the starfish uh, or the so, giant squid? 
is the one where they were last time with the Pemolite ship, where it actually showed the Pemolite ship. Oh, it yeah, like, and it looked like a little toy uh, dog. Melted Legos. Yeah, it was terrible. Sure. Uh, well, not a lot of not a lot of sci-fi imagination in that team. No, this is this is a pretty good cover. Even if the uh, the the cover quote doesn't really work, uh, it says you won't even get the chance to change your mind. Dot 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 dot. Again, if it's written and it's not written by the Ghost Riders or K. Applegate, then uh, you can expect it to be gibberish and not to make much sense. They were so. they were running out of uh, ideas when they started grabbing from this uh, pile. Of quotes and yeah you mentioned the under uh cover image you know it's pretty cool it's it's kind of a scene from the uh the book although i imagine the entryway yeah, to be it... a little bit bigger or you know the something something about the perspective here is off i think the entryway was just really weird in the book i think that it it should look different in some way i mean it's, it's kind of camouflaged but i don't know uh but i'm gonna go ahead and jump in and read the back of the book oh yeah read it to me baby Visitor 3 is still trying to find a way to reach the Pimalite ship, the ship that was hidden thousands of feet below the ocean's surface, a ship containing technology so advanced that it is superior to anything even the Andalites have built. And this time, the Visitor plans to find the ship so he can use its power to complete Earth's evasion. invasion. Jake, the other Animorphs, and Axe acquire additional deep-sea morphs in order to stop the Visitor's plan. But while trying to destroy the Yerk ship, the kids make a startling discovery, an underwater civilization. Have the kids discovered Atlantis, or is it just another trap? <laughs> this e- even is, this back of the book doesn't is, make a whole lot of sense. I know. I was just going to say, this is kind of a dumb explanation of, and this time, the visitor plans to find the ship so he can use it. Well, yeah, that's what he was going to do from the first time he did it. Like, and I, even so, it's not... It's not yeah, it's, it's, um, it's like if somebody had to summarize the book for a report, you know, like an actual reader... Like, they just stole one off the teacher's desks and printed it. Um, <laughs> it could be. Very, were, were they, it's very straightforward and meandering. And, they don't actually know anything about the book. They're like, oh, uh, the, the team has to go underwater, and there might be Atlantis. They'll, <laughs> and they'll find some technology. Yeah, the, the visitor will probably use that. That'll help him. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, well, anyway, diving right into this one. Um, I'll get out. Uh, no, I, I mean, I've got literally so many more puns to go through. Um, anyway, yeah. The tide is really turning for the Animorphs in this book. Oh, uh, actually, this this book actually has a pretty good opening scene uh, as far as these things tend to go, because this one involves Jake uh, chilling at home uh, just a regular like school night, and he gets a phone call from Cassie, and she's talking about uh, you know, what what is it? Her her what's on TV or something? And uh, it's code, of yeah. course. They have code that they they speak in over the phones, and so uh, Jake knows it means hey, I gotta come over. Something's up. So he he goes over to to Cassie's barn as you know, they always do, and uh, he gets there, and there's like a dying hork he's like bleeding out on the floor and you know jerah and toby are there and they're staples in the hork community it's always good when they pop up <laughs> uh well, right from this get-go um i think the you know we we tend to butt heads with the fan base quite a bit on like the books they hate you know sometimes we really enjoy it and can find a lot in 
and uh, vice versa sometimes as well. But in this sense, I think this is the first time that I started picking up that something is wrong with this book. I think the um, there are some concepts we're going to talk about that are really interesting, and it does add some things to the world. But just, just from this first scene, and I, I only talk about it now instead of in my review, because it really pops right at the beginning of the book, is this really feels like someone who was brought into right Animorphs who doesn't really know what an Animorph is and hasn't really read the series and just had to think of a cool action-oriented opening. And it's not a fight or anything, but uh, the stakes given to this are following them throughout the entire rest of the book, and it just felt so weird that these were the characters we've been reading about in 35 other books. They didn't feel like themselves in the writing style what? or what they're, what they're doing. Yeah, I just it really I, again, I'm only talking about it now because it right from this opening scene, it's just like they don't act like the kids who've been in a 100 battles already. They don't act like kids who experienced it. This almost feels like uh book 2 or 3 version of the Animorphs experiencing this event. Okay, wait a minute. The way they react to it, the way it affects them. Before you start, or before you continue to shit all over this opening scene, I'd just like to to, to explain a little further. Uh, So so Jake arrives, and uh, it turns out this this Hork-Bajir, this downed Hork-Bajir, is uh, the victim of some new Yurk experimentation. They're trying to put gills on these poor bastards because, uh, as, you know, the competent Hork-Bajir there explain... Um, they're trying to get back down to that Pemelite ship, that sweet, sweet Pemelite ship. And uh, although I got to say this plot is, uh, it's used as Cassie's motivation throughout this particular story. Um, it, it really and keeps James, her focused. Um, but it's pretty much dropped by the end of the book. Um, you know, what what they're going to do as far as um, these poor hork that have been experimented on and are kind of just doomed to die. Um, and, and, you know, what you were saying about, uh, the characters not feeling like themselves, I, I thought this was a very tense scene where obviously a character's dying and somebody's, you know, they're sad and it's, it's especially a powerful moment for Cassie because, you know, as the humanitarian of the crew, um, this really goes against what she believes in. And, uh, I, I don't know, they, they even, you know, kind of hug it out, Jake and Cassie do. And, um, and then just hours later, they have to have their little group meeting there, uh, to discuss. Well, real quick, real quick to go back to this, just this scene. Yeah. Um, the, the concept of it is great. The idea that they're experimenting on hork obviously the hosts have no way of, you know, accepting this. It's just Yerks forcing the bodies to do whatever. All of that is super messed up and is a great catalyst for the story they're trying to tell. Um, the writing isn't even bad. I don't think the writing in this book is bad at all. I think it just feels very far removed from the series we've been reading up to this point. And the way Jake and Cassie, like in the moment react to it, the way they run at each other and hug each other while well, that's totally normal. It just all felt wrong for them. There's no stoicism. There's no Jake stepping up. There's no, they're just instantly like keeled over by this. And they've come across way more messed up things than this way more messed up but they just fall apart at this concept and this concept is horrifying but again not more horrifying than everything they've already gone through like i say it feels like very early jake and cassie and then also like not really the jake and cassie we know even earlier in the book so it just fell off from the get-go to me uh okay 
Well, I want you to know that I had a completely different experience, and this kind of uh, piqued my interest that, you know, it, it involved uh, some of these these character factions like the Hork-Bajir that uh, we've been seeing throughout the series, and uh, the fact that Visor 3 has this new Seablade ship, uh, which is very creative. Which is cool. <laughs> very creative in his... Uh, uh, department there it's it's pretty much the same thing as the blade ship except it can go underwater um i just, I just imagine a bunch of york engineers uh sitting around in their little laboratory and just every two or three days there's a three just runs in like super excited like a little kid be like guys i just figured out the coolest idea ever take my take my blade ship underwater boom <laughs> make it happen if, if only i could get down to I that it- pemolite ship with my blade ship somehow make that happen <laughs> just barked at i want somebody. in a week yeah and it, it, it also seems silly that they had to create this humongous new ship to go underwater uh i know you know there's obviously tons of fights out there on sci-fi concepts of spaceships entering atmospheres and going underwater and stuff but um it just seems like there's probably a billion other ways an advanced technological race could could handle this. Yeah, exactly. I I knew that, you know, at some point they'd have to address uh, the fact from the last book about this Pemolite ship that, you know, it didn't work out and the Yerks would probably go after it again. And, uh, you know, kind of by the end of this one, I feel like they'd probably still try and go after it one more time. Um, well, I'm surprised they tried to create a plot of this. Like I said, like the concept's fine, and all the concepts in this in this book are pretty interesting. Uh, even the ones that people hate, I don't mind them as much. Uh, but I think they're opening a can of worms by having a whole book dedicated to going back and uh, fixing a plot hole. Because how many other books ended with massive plot holes that you kind of just need to move on from and assume that somebody else fixed it? Yeah, I don't know. Um It'll be interesting to see if they do finally do something with that Pemolite ship. I can't really recall uh, if it pops up again after this. But I don't understand why they don't just have one android go to the Pemolite ship, put a hologram around it, and he just lives there now for the all of eternity. It. <laughs> the keeper of the Pemolite ship. Yeah, they can, they they can load him up with or... dogs. You know, he could take his own supply of dogs. And just, or they great. just take one of these hologram units and put it on the ship. They'll never find it. <laughs> yeah, they could do something, you would think, but uh, I guess it's not interesting enough to cover in a proper book. Although they still, I think, should have done a Chi Chronicles. You know, maybe that would have solved the oh the problem of the ship. <laughs> oh yeah, do it in like Chronicles style, and just make the you could even make the entire book. Around the idea of like, uh, oh man, how great would it be if Eric? Because this is the book I want. Uh, Eric, uh, in the Chi Chronicles, uh, is sent down to the Pimlite ship to find a new way to hide it or to get rid of it, maybe destroy it, do something to get it from so it's away from the Yerks and they can't find it or whatever. And he ends and up traveling he's, through time. <laughs> no, while he's down there, he starts going through the records and remembering. Uh, all the times in the past, like what he's been through. So it's like a prompt to go through all these memories that I mean, he can even recall them on a thing where he can live them out again or something using the ship's computer. But um, man, that'd be great right there. Chi Chronicles written. Sure. Yeah. If it were like Eric defending Earth from other aliens, 
<laughs> the man in black. Dead. Um, yeah, well, there's there's tons of things you can do with that. Yeah, well, anyway, they they have their typical group meeting as they do, and uh, they're just kind of chilling out, you know, discussing what kind of morphs to use for deep sea again, and you know, get your typical suggestions like the the shark and the uh, uh, giant squid that they had, and uh, it's actually Cassie who brings up. You know, everybody acquiring orcas or killer whales from the, the gardens, as they do. Um, and, uh, yeah. And then they know, just skip the really gardens. exciting for you. Yeah, they <laughs> they skip the entire uh, trip to the, the thing to acquire. Because, I mean, uh, can't you just pet the orcas we've, at, the, at the gardens? Yeah, but we've, we've seen that before. We've seen them infiltrate the gardens or do something different. But anything doing the gardens would have been way more interesting than the uh, pseudo intro we got where they try out, tried out for the first time and all that. Um, they, they just recreated like their first uh, morph to dolphin scene basically in this book, as they did with the ax book, the message, you know, it's pretty similar with them getting hurt and having to remorph and, but yeah, yeah, the the dolphin and the whale morphs are definitely very similar, very uh, intelligent species, both of them. Um, but, but I mean, what happens in the scene is the same. Is what I'm saying. Oh, sure. In the message, yeah, basically. Um, and then you know it, it kind of cuts around to them waiting around to find out if this uh, Sea Blade ship gets launched anytime soon. Which, as they're patrolling the skies in like a seagull morph or something, uh, they see this. You, you never quite have a true cloaking effect around a ship. There's always some kind of like motion blur to it that makes it seeable uh as, at least from a bird's perspective right and they're able yeah. to follow it to the sea as it as it makes its slow ass way there <laughs> and alert the whole it team. reminded me of the uh it reminded me of tobias's early book uh where he's trying to follow the big water tanker yeah uh, to the forest oh, the yeah. mountains and stuff but in that in that book the the ship was so ominous and they didn't really know what it was. And it was kind of scary and how large and how fast it was or whatever. And then now they've got this brand new technological ship that's moving like three feet an hour. Um, <laughs> yeah. This is, know. this is a very efficient uh, mission so far uh, because by the time this thing sets down in the water, everybody's there and in their new orca morphs. And um, as they're moving towards it, they even pick up uh, a couple of uh, uh, like normal, you know, orcas uh, victim, yeah, <laughs> innocent victim. That was kind of that was kind of neat at first, but it's it's just so obvious that they're just there to die and have a scene where one dies and they don't know if it was an anamorph or not. And, oh, dude, that uh, was that was super uh, uh, dramatic though, right off the bat, where they're chasing this thing and then just lasered right in half. Um, and yeah, I think when something like that, when like an insta death sort of thing happens yeah. you you know it's definitely not one of the animorphs and especially since they said two random orcas joined us as well um yeah it's basically just there to be a body here. count i'm gonna make a bold claim here because uh, i know what the fan base wants um the first half of this book almost the first half of it is just a straight rehash of of plots we've seen before like i would say an almost one-to-one rehash of like a highlight reel of early Animorphs. Like somebody was forced to write this book and had to 
catch up on Animorphs real quick and just took a smorgasbord of uh, early scenes and just stuck them in the beginning of this book and then went on to write the book they really wanted to write. See, I, I don't know, man. I, I feel like you're you're very negative towards this, whereas I'm still enjoying the ride over here. I'm like, I'm, I'm much like the rest of the audience. I'm just going, yeah, yeah, come on. Let's get to Atlantis already. <laughs> you know, see, I wasn't, we, I wasn't, I wasn't hating towards. this. And, and I wasn't, ha- when you, hold on, I was, I wasn't hating this while I read it. I, I definitely wasn't. Uh, but I've had, I've had so much time to think about it in the turn. Uh, and, and there were parts that were, you know, I wasn't happy with when I was reading it. But uh, it's so much time between when I read this and us recording that I've just thought about it too much. And just so much of it is just putting a bad taste in my mouth. I, I didn't come into this hoping to be negative about it so that, you know, I join leagues with everybody else who hates it. But uh, I, I really don't think it's off to a good start. I wonder about that, though, uh, after after reading it, if it is truly as hated as as we seem to think. Because, you know, nothing about it screams bad to me right off the bat, Um, even though it's a lot of stuff we we have seen before. Um, And and underwater battles in particular are always terrifying to the team. Um, And the fact that, you know, we see Jake uh, for one of the first times I can I can honestly remember having to demorph and remorph like several times, two or three um, in the well, midst no, of not a battle. two or three, like almost like five times, um, which I, again, I even took down a note of it, uh, that this is something that he shouldn't be able to do. Or if he could do it, it should be a much bigger deal than they give it credit in this. To, again, this just feels like kind of a sloppy writer who knows the rules of morphine, but is playing fast and loose with them. Well, I don't think it's unreasonable to think that at this point, Jake... Uh, has the stamina because that's really what I think it is. Is it's like a tiresome process morphing. Um, so as as long as he can keep his stamina up uh, long enough. But well, they've talked about they've talked about recently. I'm not talking about the early books, but they've talked about recently having to do two or three morphs right after each other in the water being really really hard because you're not just struggling against the morphing technology. You're also struggling to keep your head afloat and take a breath and, and not drown in your morph. Oh yeah. He did like five in a row. There's, there's a ton of, uh, in water morphs that are, uh, more than uh, a little difficult to believe happen without, you know, incident, um, which, which they managed to pull off pretty easily in this. But, uh, this, this is a huge, bloody battle uh right off the bat like in the first act of the books which is something we don't typically see um they usually save first acts yeah right uh they 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 (laughs) typically save them you know for the the mid of the book or like the climax uh is where you get that but but this one following a battle um that happens at sea with with all their orca morphs trying to take down this sea blade ship they're ramming it and uh they eventually managed to do enough damage to actually bring it down a little. And uh, this is when it falls right in, in front of this uh, underwater cavern kind of thing. And you get the mysterious mer people <laughs> that come out and well, you get the You get the up. expansion of the... It, this is just like a little cave when the sea blades like head towards it or whatever. Um, and then they, they said that it's crazy. It's like the ground expanded this whole... And uh, somehow the sea blade was able to fit into it. So it's like actively like 
these rocks are moving around and and changing position shape so it's it's some kind of like yeah it's a weird i don't know if they ever ex- technology. I don't know if they, <laughs> yeah i don't think they ever explain it it's just kind of whatever this is how it works no they don't they explain their uh their evolution slash mutation um but yeah not really that like weird alien technology that they have yeah um, they mutated because of the coca-cola plant yeah right exactly Atlanta. That's a Futurama Atlanta. reference. Atlanta. Yes. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a Futurama reference for all you crazy cats out there. <laughs> well, uh, anyway, everybody, you know, kind of manages to, to demorph and whatnot and remorph. And they're wondering what they should do about the blade ship, although it's sunk technically and, and, and taken out of their sight. Uh, but Jake kind of wants to push it a little bit. And he's like, you know, maybe we should go check this out. And it's worth mentioning that at this point, everyone is super dead tired, just literally from having almost died several times and having to remorph and demorph and all that. But no, no this, no, is, the, no, this is, I think, one of the play. first times. Huh? I think this is one of the first times that we see the Animorphs um, just ready to. I mean, I think they're so bored with the plot. That they're ready to be like, no, it's totally destroyed, Jake. It's fine. Like, it's very strange how all of the Animorphs are almost just completely ready to just assume that not only is Visor 3 dead, but his whole plan is ruined because the ship went into this cave. Like, there's nothing to give them any kind of, like, facts that they completed the mission. Yeah, well, exactly. And then... Just when they when they see the bizarre looking alienish kind of creatures that that wrangle this blade ship away, um, you know I, I I would hope that everybody understands that that's not a a normal thing and that's something worth investigating and uh, that's that's what Jake's orders are and yeah Marco makes kind of a bitchy deal about it but I think everybody else is on board. Um, they they don't really reference Atlantis so much throughout the book. I think only like three, four times in total. Um, I know. I think it's like almost one or two like offhanded comments that the marketing team must have just jumped at. Yeah, probably. I, I don't know. Uh, when they actually get into the explaining of the, the people and stuff, they kind of shy away from the whole Atlantis myth and, and, and give them their own name and, and, uh, Make it their own thing, I guess. And uh, I, I, I like was really expecting, from the way everybody talks about this book, I was honestly expecting that the people, the Atlanteans they meet, to call themselves Atlanteans and everything. Like I was expecting this book to literally be about Atlantis, uh, but it's really not at all. <laughs> well, yeah, and you know that was foreshadowed in the uh, back of the book. Have the kids discovered Atlantis, or is it just another trap? Um, the latter, I guess. Just another, just another mythological trap that they're constantly running into. It's just another case of uh, weird mutant aliens already on Earth. Once again, I want to read the book where they run into Sasquatch, but it's really uh, like Visor One's plan to fool the humans, <laughs> or or it's just like a lone alien trying to get back home to Sasquatchnia or something. <laughs> No, that would be great if see I that I would read that book. That book writes itself. Atlanteans less so. Yeah, well, I, I like I said, I'm happy they strayed away from trying to develop a proper Atlantis like myth 
and 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 kind of did their own thing with it and it wasn't like aliens like you know you're inclined to think maybe with a sci-fi series um so they're they're scooping out this cave as they were and this is where a bit of that magical technology comes in and there's like blinding lights and then suddenly they're just like in this huge underwater cave with with land you know and breathable air and uh, they can just kind of demorph and walk around and be amazed. <laughs> well, there's no reason it wouldn't have breathable air. They're still on Earth. I mean, just an underwater cave. Um, that's totally plausible. It's I, magic, I, did think I tell this you. Part was pretty, it's not magic at all. Um, I did think this part was particularly cool. Them finding the ships, walking on like the, the Japanese um, aircraft carrier. And, yeah, it's this huge and ship having graveyard. Having all the corpses. And, and having all the corpses, this would totally be mummified. an awesome moment in like a TV show, be it animation or live action. I think you can, you can imagine them, you know, walking through this, this, I, I imagine live action. I kind of imagined something like the size of the Yerk pool, you know, cause we know the Yerk pool's huge. Um, something to rival that kind of size, except just filled with chips, as they said. And uh, all the the crews are on deck. They're all mummified and uh, it's super creepy. They they like you said they climbed on that aircraft carrier and Axe and Cassie are the only ones brave enough to actually investigate the bodies and uh, uh, that's just the state that they're in. It's it's also creepy, kind of kooky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so, so you got like a Bermuda Triangle Atlantis crossover. In this book. <laughs> <laughs> what? You can't just throw well, Bermuda think... Triangle in there. No, I think that's what they were. They weren't. Obviously, they're not in Bermuda. But I think that's what they were going for. That all these ships uh, were lost over time. And, you know, we have myths in real life. The Bermuda Triangle. And there's certain parts of certain oceans where ships just mysteriously disappear. I think they were saying, like, these kind of Atlanteans were the explanation behind that. This is West Coast. This Amelia Earhart's ship could have been in there or her uh, plane could have been in there. Yeah. yeah I would have loved if they had uh, pointed that out. That would, have, that would have been a little on the nose. I think though, <laughs> I think that would have been a little dark is that, Hey, look, there's famous Amelia Earhart. She's got straw sticking out of her mouth because she was stuffed like a puppet. <laughs> Remember me. <laughs> um, so I don't know. I, I thought this, uh, uh, concept i guess is kind of cool because um there's like mutant seagulls and stuff down there there's like wildlife that lives in here as well as the the mutant human people which they they pretty much find their uh, little boat city right uh right away and uh they're like you know your standard humanoids human people with with some kind of fishy sort of mutations uh fishy in aspects <laughs> yeah um, but they call themselves the Nartek, um, which is just, you know, it's a nice little original name. Just the, just the Nard dogs. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's what they sound like. Um, <laughs> and, you know, Marco's already macking on the, the chicks, the merch chicks, um, which is kind yeah, of was, almost a weird. recurring joke when we find out that they, uh, you know, force breed their captives <laughs> later on. Yeah. They made Marco a little pervert in this book. <laughs> eh, I can imagine it. I could see myself <laughs> doing the same thing. Ooh, yeah. fish babes. No one's ever made it with one of them and live to tell about it. <laughs> Let me at him. <laughs> no. 
Uh, yeah, I can but definitely see that you doing that too. But at this point in the story, they're like checking out the 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 people they assume are you know like Atlanteans, and they see that the Mer people have have captured the Sea Blade ship, and um, they they see them like onboarding the uh, the Hork Majir crew and stuff. Vizu Three is nowhere in sight, and once again, everyone's like, you know, we're cool to call that game. We're ready to peace out, <laughs> but Jake is, uh, he's playing, uh, I don't know. He's playing it safe or something. Cause he really wants to make sure that, uh, the, the mission's complete and visitor three is not actually hiding out aboard the sea blade ship, which is the more likely scenario. I think this, um, I think my problem with this book is it has a perspective problem. I think uh, a lot of these ideas, could be so good if they were explored um, from the right angle. So all of this with the with the Yurks, I can totally believe the Yurks. Uh, we've seen in the past that they're cowards. If they think there's even a chance of saving their own lives, they'll surrender, they'll give up or whatever. Um, so if they were put in a position where they thought their ship was going to be destroyed or Visitor 3 ordered them to just turn over weapons or whatever, I can see that happening. But how it would have been way more interesting, I think, if this were an infiltration mission, as much as I like the Orcas, uh, instead of like a find and destroy mission, if they had infiltrated the Sea Blade and tried to sabotage it from the inside, and then the Sea Blade got captured, and they were experiencing this with the Yurks, uh, and the, the Horkmajir being taken away and tortured and all of that, could have been really dark. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, really cool. You know, I agree, actually agree with you there. That would have been a really cool perspective on this story. A little different way to, you know, like get into this atlantis plot yeah maybe maybe even a little sooner who knows um but uh yeah no actually this is the part where um um they're they're content to like peace out and they actually try to leave but uh this is where they're kind of sneak attacked by the nartek while they're like demorphing on some uh, uh lily pads or some some water foliage um because tobias who's supposed to be watching from the sky i guess took his orders a little too literally and was like watching the sky where he's flying around and wasn't able to see we the, forgot uh, they were <laughs> yeah. sea people. They, they snuck in from the water and, and took them that way. Um, so they get captured right away. And even though they could very easily break free, Jake is like, ah, you know, maybe we use this as an opportunity to just kind of meet their leader and whatnot. What have you <laughs> see, see what they yeah, want. Jake is so Jake is so weird in this book. And, and you, from the past, you can go back through our archives. I have absolutely loved every single Jake book. Jake books always have the best perspective. They always have the best uh, narration. I just, I really like the Jake books. This is one, Jake just acts so weird. Because he's obviously struggled with the, am I a good leader or whatever. And this one, he's accepted that he's the leader. He's just like, ah, oh, shucks, I should have gone the other way. Ah, oh, shucks, I should have done this instead of that. And then, like, the the message at the end of the book is like, you know, leaders make mistakes, but we're all still alive. Way to go, guys. <laughs> yeah. It's just so yeah. awkward and weird. Yeah, the, the end is only slightly an issue. Yeah. Um, I, <laughs> you know, I, I, I kind of get where Jake's coming at in this book um, because he is getting to be that more seasoned leader. There's even a line in the book where uh, uh, he, he even says to himself um, – Let's go, I said. It sounded so matter-of-fact. I'd begun to get used to giving orders. Probably not a good thing. 
Um, so you can tell he's he's already feeling a little bit conflicted between being everybody's friend and being their leader. Uh, but didn't he even say at some point he's like, I even kind of like it when X calls me Prince now. <laughs> I don't know. They, well, they, 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 he, he didn't say that something in this that book. Effect. Not in this book. Maybe at some point. I thought he had said something along those lines. Like, like he had gotten used to it. And he doesn't like shoot it down anymore. Or something like that. It I, actually, it might have been in uh, one of the previous books where you know, Axe was mad at him, and uh, he said he'd allow it that one time or something. I don't know. Uh, that's neither here yeah. nor there. Th- this is a Jake that's like torn between you know wanting to get his tired uh, uh, team out of there as quickly as possible, and also kind of investigating this like really bizarre phenomenon because. I'll be honest with you. I'm probably in that lump where he is, where I'd be like really curious about knowing more about these people and like what the hell's going on with them. I don't think I could just leave even straight even if, away. Even if they have a curiosity and I know they've seen crazy things at this point. Uh, I think they should be a little more surprised and blown away that we've been sharing our planet with another species this whole time. Like not aliens, like these guys just chill on the bottom of the ocean and, you know, mermaids are real and this should be a bigger impact to the team, but they kind of just go with it. Marco tries to bang one, you know, it's just, <laughs> it's just weird. Well, uh, it gets, yeah, well, weird is definitely a good word for it. Uh, cause it gets pretty dark and I will say, I, I think this they whole, don't... this whole book has really dark tones overall that, uh, I think added to my enjoyment of it just personally. Well, yeah, they, they, again, the concepts in this book are great, which makes me think that they come from Michael Grant. Okay, Applegate. I just don't think that they're executed in the right way. Uh, so many of these concepts could be so dark and so messed up. This literally could have been one of the most messed up books in the series, and that's saying something. Uh, but because we're so far removed from them and because it's so awkwardly handled, it's just we don't we don't get those impacts. I, I The only thing I can say to that is that there are things that I wish they could almost expand on um, that would be more interesting learning about, but I I still think you get an effective idea of this, uh, this culture and um, just the alien people that they encounter in this book. I I think if it's going to be a one-off story, they did it justice as far as I'm concerned. Um, but this is the point where they get, they get dragged off to, uh, literally like right to the (laughs) queen of the people who exposits just way too much. I mean, it's, it's like, it's a, it's a character introduction that is meant to, uh, basically tell the entire history of, of this, you know, species, this people, um, which is exactly what queen Soko of the Nartek does. Um, she's like, she's like, oh, we have guests. Let's invite them to a feast. Um, and then it like it yeah, immediately this whole, flashes this whole thing right the here. <laughs> it feels like a bad like Avatar ripoff. The way they interact with these people and they're like how they name their culture and stuff and their different names and stuff. And it's what's weird to me is it doesn't take into account who they are, who we see that uh, who they become. The the they're not aliens, but the Atlanteans, for lack of a better term. Uh, I refuse to call them Nartex. Um, <laughs> they're Nartex, man. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. We see how they act later on. We know that they're torturing Horkwajir. We obviously see that they've captured tons and tons and tons of people throughout human history. 
why are they acting this way to guests? They shouldn't have guests. They this is a this is something they go through all the time. I don't think they're I don't think what we see of their culture and how they act in the book are in any way related. Well, okay. First of all, it's not really. Uh, well, actually, it is addressed how how they speak English because when they first meet, she speaks like every language um, until they land on English. Which, but it's which it's, makes no sense. It's weird because they no were already because... speaking English, and she was like obviously yeah. in in the room with them, and uh, they, they made a thing about it. I don't know. I think it was just honestly she went through like the, six the languages, even though she's why they speak English. <laughs> Even if she's, even though she's fluent in English, like absolutely fluent, it takes her like twenty minutes to realize they're speaking English. <laughs> I mean, she don't hear too good with them mutated ears. <laughs> um, they anyway. They're they're like at this awkward feast where they're basically surrounded by armed guards, and it's like you know what you would imagine being at their feast. It's all it's all fish products. And uh, the the queen just kind of exposits, tells them all about their their backstory and all that. How uh, uh, the Nartek people, you know, they they were on an island, which uh, they decided to build walls around. See, all these problems stem from walls, because the the island starts sinking, and then the walls they they built them up and up and up, and then eventually they started molding over together, and it's a very flimsy. Uh, uh, story scientifically and i think it's funny that even x points out how you know it's probably a blend of reality and myth at this point now (laughs) i think this book was obviously written as a political metaphor for the current times that we're dealing with and building walls uh it's it's a it's a danger you know we could we could end up as america as an underwater fish people society exactly if if our walls it's it's starts with a border wall (laughs) We need to build the border wall tall enough so that when it sinks, it can bend inward and form a protective dome over America, which we will then call the Freedom Dome. <laughs> yeah, the way they describe it in the book, it should have just like they should have just kept building walls and then there'd just be this hole in the middle of the ocean where the society is. <laughs> that would be kind of cool. Instead they, instead, they built it like an igloo which honestly is a little problematic. It's a little cultural appropriation, uh, which it makes no sense to how they were like falling into the water. Yeah. Well, don't try to apply too much logic to it. Um, they, they also uh, kind of spice up the recipe here for this civilization a little bit with the uh, uh, talk about the Narna rocks, which are like these, radioactive uh, uh, rocks, I guess. They're the light source that they've been seeing throughout uh, that lights this undersea world. These, these rocks are just the best. You guys got to try these out. Highly radioactive. We don't know what that means. <laughs> they, we just we just love them. We use them as night lights in they, the cribs of they, our children. They fill their uh, pillowcases with them and sleep on top <laughs> of them. <laughs> we just love these things. Oh, man. Have you ever tried licking one? They taste excellent. <laughs> And they're hallucinogenic. I usually, cr- <laughs> I usually crush some up with uh, my, you know, uh, after dinner drink. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so basically, they're they're like this super mutated, messed up, inbred race of of fish people underwater. It's like a uh, it's like a Rob Zombie film, but you know, under the sea. So uh, they got that going for them. 
<laughs> and uh, I, I thought even creepier, uh, the queen just straight up reveals like, oh yeah, we love stuffing uh, all the, the people that we find on their ships. And I think the only reason they don't outright do oh. that to these people is because they showed up, you know, without a ship. And so they're, they're kind of like, well, how the hell did these people get here? Well, no, one of the big things is that it's not just about, it's not just about, uh, stuffing them and having trophies. Uh, they also admitted to, you know, every culture they come across, basically raping them to death. Um, that's a big part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Not, they mentioned obviously doing, doing a little bit of crossbreeding. Yeah. And it's kind of funny. It's almost a running joke again, how, uh, everyone, uh, of the kids are like, there's better ways to get DNA. <laughs> you don't have to murder. <laughs> really? Have you ever tried asking? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Little sample won't do you wrong. Um, and and you know, <laughs> there she just goes on and on about how they have been stockpiling uh, human weapons from above ground, and uh, they're they're going to launch their attack on the surface people with this this new alien ship that they are so fond of, uh, it's of course the sea blade ship. And, um, you know, they might even have nukes and this is where Jake is like, oh, okay. All right. Clearly now I see that. Yeah, we do have to intervene at least a little bit here. Um, so the queen yarks and yarks about her plan and just kind of pieces well, out for the night. <laughs> I have to interject real quick sure. uh, as someone who has a brother who was a nuclear engineer aboard a sub in the Navy. Uh, the U.S. Navy, nor has any other nuclear power uh, Navy uh, ever lost a nuclear sub without the uh, nuclear um, aspects of it being recovered. It's just never happened. So the core of this plot, the fact that they might have nukes, is ridiculous. And if they Ooh, if they so had anything, they might scarier. have a... It's like imagining the yeah, impossible. Well, <laughs> even if they... The best thing they could hope to get is maybe maybe a nuclear reactor and then that's not a weapon you can't turn that into a weapon even if it melted down it wouldn't do anything well even so i i think jake just also kind of wanted to stop these people from even using what limited weapons they had um from you know launching an attack on even one earth city or land city no this is a race of poor unfortunate uh mutants who have been downtrodden throughout history and Jake and his bloodthirsty nature is going to bring their culture and civilization <laughs> down around them. Look, these people deserve death and destruction. Okay. Because, uh, as soon as, as soon as the princess or the queen pieces out and, and leaves them alone, uh, Jake's like, okay, we, our priorities. We got to find Tobias. Cause he's, you know, a hawk. And, uh, <laughs> we got, we got to stop that blade ship. Um, and, and see if there's any like nukes or, you know, their, their weaponry. We just got to put an end to this crap. And, uh, the first place they go is, uh, you know, of course the, the stockpile of the most powerful weapons books at the library. <laughs> and that's uh, where I go. It, it's almost like, uh, okay, here, here's a little bit more information on these, uh, characters just so you get the real, the real scoop. You know, you got the Queen's version of history in that last chapter, but now you get Axe rooting around in a library doing his little Axe notes and uh, just kind of <laughs> kind of lays it all out there about the people and, you know, how mutated and inbred and just just destined to die. 
uh, because of it. <laughs> they they really are. Um, so you get the feeling yeah, right off the bat that these to... people aren't really a threat overall. Well, yeah, I mean, you get the not just feeling, but you're flat out told that there's no way the civilization, a civilization that relies on capturing groups of people from the surface and then crossbreeding that to have some genetic diversity, it's impossible to do in the long run. They've already probably just from the sound of it, uh, this, this Hork Bajiran sea blade is the first time in a long time they've had anything, anybody come down there or be captured. And then what can they really do with a bunch of Hork Bajir? It's going to mess with their genes and if they can even accomplish what they'd normally do with humans, humans are the only people that they've taken over the years. So who knows what their technology even works crossbreed. And then the idea that they got a whole sea blade worth of crew, they can't, they can't keep that up over the years. How many, how many more times are the Yurks going to have a ship filled with hundreds of soldiers come down there? You know, this, the civilizations could be dead in like 50 years anyway. Well, yeah, exactly. They don't, they don't have the longevity to, really do much of anything with any technology that they find, you know, be it human or yerk. Um, and, and as the crew or as the crew, as the animorphs are being led around, because they got a guide with them. Of course, when, when you're letting your, you know, uh, captured prisoner guests walk around and explore, explore your city and your city. Yeah. <laughs> learn everything. They at least got to have one armed guy kind of sticking with them. Um, but at one point, he's finally like, okay, and now it's time for the hospital tour to start. And they're all like, I don't know about that one, guy. And he's like, oh, no, I insist. And, you know. Again, no, it's the best. Again, they uh, the the uh, Nartek people pop up from, uh, like, you know, just fucking like a vase of water that's nearby. I'm like, <laughs> any little water source that's, that's around them, they pop up. How did from. we fall for this again? <laughs> One of them pops up from like a teapot, <laughs> grabs Rachel. Uh, no, Cassie remembers the Horkbajir being mutated, and a tear, a single tear, falls from her eyes, and a Nartek flies out of it. <laughs> there you go. Uh, all of that would be uh, uh, quite interesting. So uh, this is actually kind of uh, another really dark turn to the the book, where they uh, wake up in their their Nartek hospital facility where they're about to be stuffed, and they've actually been drugged. So they're like into it ish. <laughs> um, there's very little they can do. I mean, for all intents and purposes, they, they'd be totally dead and stuffed here. If not for, of course, your wingman Tobias uh, comes in with the, uh, the ultra rare Nartek morph and saves the day. <laughs> Tobias is Tobias is always there to save you from getting your delicious human nougat center, uh, drilled out of you uh <laughs> to add into a genetic pool well that's why i say he's he's the ultimate wingman really but up because he's a hawk I, i'm gonna have i'm gonna have more puns all Get throughout it, the show don't don't worry no shortage here um so yeah that's that's like a brief little, week, folks. little uh action drama upbeat tick here so uh it goes without saying they, they escape it easily. And, uh, um, this is where they're finally like, okay, we got to get to that sea blade, uh, check out what's going on in there and, uh, uh see if we can't, you know, fly it out of here or, or, you know, crash it, do something with it. Um, and, and they get on it with very little, 
um, difficulties. They, they're just kind of in battle morph, running through the <laughs> complex, um, running past the civilians who don't really do anything to stop them. And uh, they, they're able to get on the blade ship with no problems. Um, but this is where, you know, they, they kind of hunker down and um, Axe is trying to access the computer to fly it and get them out of there. And it's not really going well. And, and of course, the Nartek are invading from outside and trying to, to damage the ship and get their way in. Um, this is supposed to be a huge, huge, like, action sequence. Like, war epic scale and uh yeah it's just really more about them getting through that door to the bridge the whole time and then maybe a couple missiles come at them and i don't know it 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 lost that scale i think it was going for uh because it's trying to be all tense and suspenseful and they're in control of the ship and i I just just didn't didn't really work for me well yeah it was like a countdown sort of situation where you know they're in the ship and they're they're waiting to get out of there and make things work and they're being attacked from the outside and it's very tense and they're taking heavy damage and then visitor three shows up and he's in another one of his big scary morphs called the luminar which like has this electricity i guess and uh you know unforeseen i guess is uh they they decide that they have to work with visitor three to get out of there it's the only way um so you got that cliche of having to team up with your enemy once again um, in this case, it's, I thought it's just this was because he, he has the security protocol that Axe needs to actually be able to fly the ship. I actually think that their interaction here with Visitor 3 uh, was actually one of the better things of the book. This felt pretty different, even though it's a concept that's old as sin. Um, them having to work with Visitor 3 here and their like quips back and forth, I thought were pretty funny. And it, it, it worked really well. Well, yeah, we have... Uh, uh... Jake is actually talking to Visitor 3 now, which they do more and more frequently, but I think it's just Jake and Axe that talk to him. Um, and of course, they're like, you know, we, we have to work with him, but as soon as we can, we got to betray him and, and <laughs> really screw him over. And to their credit, that's exactly what they do, is uh, uh, they, they let him put in the security thing and they, they start flying the ship towards the exit towards the ocean but as soon as they get to the sea they basically crash and sink the ship uh because they they didn't really reveal the visitor three that i think the whole like under hull area was was blown out or removed so the ship starts you know well, they didn't, sinking they, this only works because visitor three didn't realize that uh what their goals were if he would have thought about why they you know, ended up in the situation in the first place, he would realize that he was going to get screwed over here because he's just trying to get out and he thinks they're trying to get out, but they're also dead set on, you know, their, their mission objectives at this point. Well, they're, they're getting out without the blade ship. <laughs> Whereas he thinks they're getting yeah. out with the blade ship. <laughs> so that's, that's, yeah, it's just, it's kind of a stupid error on his part. Well, I mean, he doesn't really have a choice, so to speak, I guess, because he, as he says himself, he can't pilot the Sea Blade ship without a crew, so that's why he doesn't kill them. Um, so he, he kind of needs them more than they need him. I mean, after he turned off the security thing, they could have just killed him then and there if they had the ability. Um, they probably See, this book could have really surprised us. I would have loved to have seen them barely make it out. It's a super tense scene. And then they're like, you know, they destroy the Nartek behind them and they barely get out of there. And it's uh, 
you know, Jake and all of them just like breathing heavily and like just coming down off the high of being in mortal danger with Visit 3 and they look over at each other and be like, man, we've been through a lot. This really changes things. And then, you know, working together after that point. <laughs> Animorphs and Visit 3. They shake hands and then do a little fist bump. I'm not even saying Visit 3 leaves the Yurk Empire. I'm just saying everybody becomes friends. <laughs> There's a new air of respect throughout the throughout the galaxy. Um, you know what? You guys have been a thorn in my side this whole time, but damn it, if I don't respect the hell out of you. <laughs> <laughs> so it all kinds of uh, it, it all kind of culminates in uh, this. They crash the Sea Blade ship, and you know the team manages to uh, morph sharks and get out of there. And they they say they see a. Uh, uh, giant squid or, or something like that taking off, which is of course, visitor three. So everybody escapes scot free. And, um, the team basically just kind of heads home having learned yet another powerful lesson about, uh, just how murderous and evil, uh, humans can be even when they're mutagenic Nartek people. But, um, yeah, that's kind of like a, a the downer note to end on. Like, well, we, uh, saw some weird shit. And uh, it's, it's really not something we should ever talk about again. <laughs> I, I feel like it's how which, they, they feel there at the end. Which we understand completely why they can't talk about um, the Yerks, why they can't spread the message about the Yerks, because it would put the Earth at a full all-out evasion if everyone knew the Yerks were existed, or the Yerks existed. Why can't they tell anybody about the Nartex? Because this seems like any ship or ocean liner or anything that goes under and is taken by the Nartex from this point on is blood on their hands. You know, the, the feeling that I got was that they didn't really think of these people as, as a threat or a danger or anything like that. They just kind of wanted to, to seal them off there at the bottom of the ocean and let them kind of live their course or, you know, run their course um, knowing, but, knowing what they're they're doomed to to do, um, but we've already established that they had, you know, this massive underwater cave. Uh, not even massive. That's a horrible word for it. Uh, this gargantuan, like just bigger than. I mean, it's like continent-sized underwater cave, and they had hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of humans dead and stuffed with their genetic code tortured out of their bodies, uh, you know, as proof in this cave. So obviously I don't care if Jake doesn't think they're a threat, uh, threat. They've killed millions of humans after torturing them for all of human history. That's they're, true. they're a threat. They're <laughs> one of our oldest enemies. If that's true, that might be the case, but at the same time, um, it's not really affecting the war with the Yerks so to speak. I mean, it, it did this one time because, you know, they got their ship. Okay. Well, which, where's which the, is what they do. They collect point me ships. towards, point me towards the end people, uh, point me towards the book series where a ragged bunch of young teenagers fight the Nartax. Cause apparently the animorphs can only handle one invasion at a time. Uh, and it's, it's honestly, you know, even think about this end of the series. Yurks are defeated. Not a spoiler. You all know this. Um, <laughs> Spoils! Yurks are defeated. Yurks are defeated. They're on set of the Animorphs movie. 
uh, with Marco special effects advisor, and they're you know recreating the scene of their fight with the Nartax. A movie producer look over and be like, "Wait, did did this happen? Are there a race of <laughs> that, that, uh, that Atlanteans awesome. under the water killing tons of humans?" And then you have like like Jake and Marco, whoever's there, just kind of stare at each other and then stare back at him and shake their heads. No. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that would be awesome. This is something the world's governments need to know about. All right, this is... yeah. Someone needs to handle this. Well, look after after the series ends. Uh, I assume they had a lot of stuff to discuss with scientific scholars and all that concerning Sario rips and uh, all kinds of things. I mean, my God. <laughs> um. Ah, so, oh my god, yeah, that's the end of uh, The Mutation. We finally got through it. Um, and I kind of want to hear your review first. I, I think yours is going to be uh, different from mine. So let's hear that. <laughs> yeah, you're, you were just you were so happy after this book and all of its totally uh, not nonsensical storylines. Stop reviewing um, my review! <laughs> I give you a review two stars. Um, no, I so so it's again. I want to reiterate. I think that the concepts, the main ideas in this book, are incredibly interesting. Uh, that come. That, I'm even talking about the faux Atlanteans as well. Uh, but the things that happen, in this the the dark turns it takes. I think all of that is great. I think the writing is fine. There's nothing necessarily wrong with the writing. Other than the fact that I think it disregards, at mostly in the beginning, but it pretty much disregards the Animorphs' personalities, their history, where they are in the series. I think that's it majorly uh, derails from what we've been reading lately. And um, I honestly think that, that I think what got the writer excited about this book was the fact that the whole Atlantean plotline comes out of nowhere. And it's like halfway through the book. And so it's kind of this reveal of like, hey, we thought this is what the book was going to be about, but not really. Here, it's about these people, and I think so. I think intentionally, the first half of the book is made to, you know, follow roads we've been down before. It, it's supposed to look like it's intentionally written to look like the standard everyday mission, but I think they carried it on too long to the point that it's uninteresting. And then I think once we did that big turn and we went down to the Atlantean society. Other than the initial concept of, you know, they've been taking these people and there's all this cave of giant ships and um, they're torturing and taking the genetic code. The Atlanteans themselves, the Nartek themselves, are super bland, uninteresting characters with just weird reactions. And, and the plot itself doesn't make a whole lot of sense for the Animorphs being down there and being, like, not really prisoners um them constantly every time they steal somebody do they explain their entire plan and history of their people to them like it it it's it doesn't make sense to the point of being again uninteresting and and just i want to get through this book um and then the whole you know action beat at the end the what should be the tent pole of the movie or book um there's no real stakes or anything. You just want them to get done with this book because you know it's not going to affect anything. So, I mean, honestly, just for the concepts and stuff alone, I was going to give this uh, like a two, maybe even a three, because I do think there's some good 
there's some really good ideas for the series in this book as a standalone story. But I, I just think it's it's just not it's not worth reading as part of the storyline. It's not worth reading as just a fun book, um, especially if you care about the Animorphs and you want to see where it's going and everything. It's just not it's not really doing anything for you. So I'm going to give it. Uh, it's going to sound really harsh. I'm going to give it one out of five Sea Blade ships. It's just, it's just not, it's not good in retrospect, and it wasn't good while I was reading it. It was just fine while I was reading it, and then parts of it are making me actively angry now. So, <laughs> I, I think the fan base is right to 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 put this one down. Okay. And again, I love killer whales. <laughs> okay, dear dear listener, pull up a seat because I'm going to spin your tail. All right. About a book that at first I thought, how, how good can this be? You know, this is going to be a one-off, obvious story. Their their take on Atlantis. So going into it, you're already thinking like, all right, come on, let's get to Atlantis. You know, let's let's see what they they say it is. Let's see what their spin on it is. Okay, and uh, right off the bat, you know, they hit you with the the trying to be real dramatic, like, oh man. Remember that we're in this war where people are dying and they're being experimented on by their captors, the Yerks. Um, This felt like a very one-off book, like that you could just pick up at any point and read and you'd you'd get the gist of, you know, like the Animorphs versus the Yerks thing. Um, And then it's kind of like the the classic bait-and-switch plot where you think it's going to be about, you know, dealing with this... Seablade ship and the Pemelite ship and there'd be some closure to that but up oh, it's, it's well that's how we brought you in but we're gonna switch it out with this Atlantis plot all of a sudden um and then it, it from that point it, it really seems like they just needed to set up okay here's our story of Atlantis like this is how it happened uh, this is probably what's gonna happen with the people and uh, here's our team of Animorphs just kind of exploring this culture. And there's a little bit of danger, a little bit of peril. But you know they're going to get out of it just fine. And uh, there's a little bit of Visor 3 because we all like him. And we like it when he shows up for the, the finales of these things. And in uh, a real unexpected twist, uh, they have to kind of work together even for a moment. And, you know, this this whole book kind of felt like uh, uh, one of those um, like 4D uh, theme park rides, you know, like the Spider-Man ride at, uh, uh, Universal. You remember that one where you sit in the cart yeah, and it kind of takes you through this like Spider-Man plot where you're following him and there's villains jumping out and stuff. That's what this felt like where you're like following him under sea and whoa, there's a big battle going on. Do do do. Oh no. Uh, alien Atlantis people. Let's follow him. And then we go in and you know, we're like shooting through the boat yard and it's creepy. And then, uh, it just, it felt like, they were really trying to rush through this uh, uh, Atlantean culture, you know, which I give them props for kind of doing their own thing and, and making it interesting in that way. Um, and, and to that end, this book really satisfied my, my curiosity. It gave me a nice little self-contained adventure um, where I, I even felt like the, the team, at least in Jake's case, was showing some character growth. Uh, Jake makes decisions um, that I think he would have struggled with a little bit uh, before, much easier now, and is even a little self-referential um, in some of those aspects. And, uh, you know, it, it just shows that he's still 
having character growth and we're going to see some more tension possibly between him and Cassie and their particular ideals because Cassie keeps bringing up about, Oh man, them, them experimented on Horkbajir. We got to do it for them. You know? And then by the end of it, that plot's just kind of dropped, um, as, as they swim away. And I assume it's not going to be brought up again. So, uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I enjoyed the book for more than what I thought it was. I, I went into it expecting just garbage and trash, um, but I came away going, you know what? That wasn't a waste of time. Um, and, and I think it was as cool the way that they did Atlantis on their own. And now we don't have to talk about it again. So I, I, based on just my, my sheer enjoyment and surprise of this book and the way I felt like it was a good quick pick up and read one. Um, I, I honestly wholeheartedly feel like this book is at least a three, possibly a four swooshes man just <laughs> swoosh the orcas just think of all the books that you've given a four before it just it seems crazy to me that this one even comes close yeah it really surprises me too but it, it's based on like just just my expectations of it overall and then being like well i don't i don't see why people shit on this <laughs> for, yeah, for what think, it is I think, it, it gave us everything that we really were... love about animorphs and it was really dark is the thing. That's the thing that surprised me is I, I keep forgetting how dark these things are going to be unexpectedly. But it wasn't. The, the ideas were dark. In other books, the scenes themselves are dark. This one, it would make a reference to something super dark and then walk away from it as fast as possible. Okay, you know what? Here, Here's a comparison for you. People love uh, that that one of the most recent Tobias books we read, you know, the one where he got captured and uh, uh, tortured. They love yeah. that one for how dark that is of, of Tobias getting tortured. But honestly, like I, I uh, mentioned and talked about in, in that review, it wasn't real like adult torture torture. It was just him in a box and she's pushing a button that, you know, is like a pain button. Um, they think that's dark where I think the implication that, you know, people are drugged and mummified and force bred and uh, just the, the innocent slaughter of, uh, uh, like, you know, these earthen creatures. They made a huge deal about that whale being beached just a couple books ago. And now we're getting orcas fully, you know, draconed in half right in front of the team. No, but you're <laughs> so you're mixing up the two. So you, the idea, what you're talking about not liking is what this book does versus that Tobias book. Because in this one, you have... Uh, you know, the concept of their genetic core or whatever uh, DNA being pilfered from the Horkbajir in the distance and hearing them tortured um, is so vague and broad. We don't know how they're doing it. It doesn't really make a lot of sense. We know something really bad's happening. Horkbajir is screaming. Versus the Tobias book where the torture wasn't just hitting a button. It was the idea of them uh, one button bringing pleasure and making you think of great things and then being pushed harder in the opposite way back and forth like it went deep into what the torture was in that tobias book and that's why it was so horrible versus this one which is just vague they're being tortured um no i, I don't process. i don't think the actual torturing process was as fleshed out at in this one um just but that's just what i'm saying the, the but... concepts of being like you know drugged and, and raped for all intents and purposes and um well, yeah all that the stuff. ideas those are the, dark things again, as well that's what I was saying, though, is that the ideas in this one are super dark and good ideas, but the execution in the scenes 
don't pay off on that darkness. They don't have, there's no dark scenes in this book. It's all pretty light and fluffy, but the ideas are pretty horrific. And I'd say the only thing place it where it gets close, like you said, the whale getting cut in half, uh, by the Dracon beast. But even then it doesn't detail it out or, uh, have that scene play out the drama of how horrific it was. It's, it's like at the beginning of this book where the hork being mutated is horrifying to Jake and Cassie. But we don't feel that from them. Well, we just hear about okay, it. that's that's I think up to the reader because they do mention, you know, like, oh, this is a guy my my dad knew and stuff. They they at least mention that there's a connection to Toby and Jera while they're there. Um, it's not like some but it's rando bajer. It's all just talk and exposition. Like we, I'd rather a scene play out where we saw that we had. Oh my gosh, how how great would have this whole? Okay, a skip the Atlanteans, skip all that crap. Um, if you would have had a book completely about the mutation of this process of mutating the Horkbridge here, and you would have seen like maybe the Animorphs go on a mission with the free Horkbajir, and it's like a huge success. It's like this mission they couldn't have done on their own, and the Horkbajir are right with them, and maybe we learn a little bit more about a few more of the Horkbajir characters outside of Jeremy and um, and uh, Toby and everything, and you maybe meet a few more Horkbajir characters, and then the Animorphs go back to their everyday life or whatever, and then the Horkbajir come running to them and say something horrible is happening, and they take them to the lab, and you see these characters who you met at the beginning of the book now with gills and part of this horrific experiment and that leads to a mission that would have been oh yeah that that would have been the good uh uh follow-up or not a follow-up or a lead into for this book (laughs) yeah it was all to go to atlantis baby uh yeah they they definitely didn't do a good job of tying you know that plot into the the overall plot um it, it like it's I about said, focus. It just, they could have done any of these concepts like more in depth. Tons of reasons to get these characters into a quick Atlantis story and get them out, you know, before bedtime. Um, I just Where thought I was it was. Just I, just, I just book. thought it was super interesting <laughs> that um, you know they they thought they were going to do one mission and they have a terrible, horrible, no good night, and then. Out of curiosity, they're like, oh, okay, let's go check out this one thing, even though they're all super tired. And then that turns into this whole other thing where they get taken prisoner and they're like, oh my God, we discovered like fish people. They're all super tired and just want to go home at that point. And uh, uh, they, they kind of rush it there in the end. But I don't know. Uh, I enjoyed the little ride. I, I enjoyed it for what it was. Um, I don't know. This is probably the point where I guess we should maybe uh, mention the next episode or something. Yeah. Yeah, what is the next episode? <laughs> <laughs> the next episode, my friend, is uh, Animorphs number 37, The Weakness. And this is the uh, one with uh, Rachel morphing a cheetah on the front, I believe. Um, and it is also one that I think I've never read. The one where Rachel has to take over as leader while Jake is out of town. Um, what oh. could go wrong? <laughs> yeah, I've, I've heard of this one, but not much about it. Uh, I know that basic plot. And how it factors into some of the other books later on in the 40s. Um, but, yeah, I think she does uh, a bad job. <laughs> right? <laughs> Go figure. The non-leader of the Animorphs leads the Animorphs poorly. Um, it's always the people who, you know, they, it's a classic saying. Someone who wants power uh, doesn't deserve to have it. Like, that's who you don't want to be in charge. Oh, yeah. Like, like a like a, just any that's what they say about like uh governors or presidents or anyone running for office you want the person who doesn't want to be in that position 
to actually have it, not the person who's wanted their entire life to be president. Right? Um, That's me. Elect me. I don't want. No, I don't want to be there, but I should be. A vote for Mitch is a vote in the trash. Is what I say. <laughs> um, anyway. But yeah, so I'm, that's actually probably a super interesting book. I'm I'm looking forward to that. I don't know anything about like how it goes with the fans or anything. Yeah, I, like I said, my research on this one has been uh, fairly light. So I guess we'll see when that happens. Um, until then, you know, uh, ratings and reviews on our iTunes really help us out. We we super enjoy those uh, hearing from you fine folks. And uh, that's really how the show gets out there and gets known. So you want to make sure you're doing that to help us out. Yeah, the iTunes reviews are super important. Uh, going to our Facebook page, liking that, going to our Twitter, interacting with us on there, uh, or just going to the main site and supporting us, commenting on things there. Uh, these are things that all help out the website, all help out uh, the podcast. Um, obviously nothing uh helps as much as going to our patreon and helping physically support the show helping us come out uh and put out an episode uh we've had a little bit of a break after uh the last few but we you know are trying to get back on schedule summers and, are always um, busy here at thought speak well the end of summers are super busy for me because i work for a university so that's been my biggest drama with trying to put out an episode uh but we should be back into it now but again your support means the world to us and and helps us remember why we do this so Heck yeah, dog. And you know what? It's always good to be uh, reading this book series that we both grew up with and really love. And uh, especially reading these books that we have not had the pleasure to read before. Um, I I know we're about to hit a huge string of ones that I think I kind of cherry picked um, from here on out through the end of the series. So we'll definitely be hitting a lot that uh, are new experiences for the both of us, I think. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to get to the the weird ones that I do know, like uh, the one where Jake uh, wakes up and he's an adult in the future. Yeah, um, yeah. There's, man, there's I, always the some familiar. Good ideas. Uh, so yeah, we're looking forward to those. But thanks for joining us this week. Um, hope you're just enjoying our whole catalog. Go back, listen, start at one, come back through, see how we've grown as podcasters. But uh, it's it's it really feels like we've uh, gone over the crest of the hill of the series with 36. I mean, it feels like we're on the other side now, uh, heading towards that ending. So it's, it's interesting. And I'm, I'm excited for what's coming. We'll see. We're, we're getting there very slowly. It's like we're walking on our hands towards the end. It's, Backwards. It's, it's somewhat efficient. I mean, it, it gets us there just kind of at a weird pace. So, and we look, and we look strange while we do it. <laughs> um, but anyway, so thank you again. And, uh, I've been Coleman. And I am Mitchell, and uh, thanks for listening. Come back and check us out next time. Peace, y'all. Peace.